Jill and I are getting a new mattress. Because this has been destroyed forever. Oh, congratulations. Figured it's a... It's a big commitment. Investment in oneself. Oh, it is, 100%. Uh, I mean, there's a... There's a big difference in sleep quality between a good mattress and a bad mattress. How how new is your mattress, you'd say? Um, four years. Would you say that it's like worn in in spots or like, is it like a spring mattress or a foam mattress? It is a, it is a spring mattress with a foam top. It is worn where I have slept, although I do I have since started to rotate it. You sleep on one side always? Yeah. I sleep on one side, and now for the past two months, I've been sleeping on one side when I'm not sharing the bed with, like, a, like I've said before, cuddling a pillow. So I'm sleeping on my side, and I notice a difference when I try to sleep on the other side. So it is definitely worn in. It was a good mattress, still is a good mattress, and it, it definitely suits my my uh, back's needs. It's my favorite mattress. I can sleep anywhere, but I like my mattress. Hmm. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, funny thing happened on the way to the podcast. I'm Jesse Dolster. And I'm Eric Gervais. And that's the first time, meta at the beginning, we've ever appropriately addressed them at the beginning. At the beginning. So I, we were just talking about mattresses. Yeah. I th- I guess I have a bit of a story then. Okay. So, so a story about mattresses. Yes. This is the white cast. <laughs> Yesterday, Tina and I bought a mattress. But before we bought a mattress, we have been we've gone to sleep country and a couple other places spread out over over the past couple months and just to check out what's out there, see what the prices are, what kind, what we like, and we found a type of mattress that we we thought was kind of suitable for us. We decided uh, yesterday that we were going to go to the brick first and just see what they had. And and we go there. We, we described to the guy, the sales associate, what we wanted. Because he was, you know, standing in the mattress section and obviously pastured us a little bit like a sales, good associate, sales associate. Might. Gotta love the old-timey commission salespeople. Oh, yeah. Turns out he was an entire, just a moron. Because he, the first thing he did after we told them about the specific type of mattress that we really liked, was told us, oh no, don't buy one of those. And then just tried to, just destroyed our opinion of this mattress. And he started saying you know, a lot of bad things about it. It wears out, it does this, it does that. You should buy one of these types that we sell because they're better. I don't think that's the approach. You should be a little more light-handed with it, but whatever. Well, not a big deal. There's, there's that, but then if they have the mattress in stock, like there, there's one thing to meet a customer that says, well, I'm just browsing, yeah. then you can try to go in for the sale. But if you're going to be making a sale yeah, you and you're going to be making a commission with no effort, like, right. effort in it, just take it. Oh, yeah. Don't try to upsell because you're going to alienate. And, and the worst part about it was that he started to say, because we told him, well, we saw it at Sleep Country and we liked it there. Oh, dear. He says, oh, Sleep Country, they always try to sell people on these weird third-party, you know, uh, chintzy brands and they're they're terrible terrible for that they make people buy terrible mattresses and and then he began to say oh we only sell sealy inserted like all these big names here at the brick and that's all we do because we want customers to be happy and i'm like thinking to myself 
isn't Sleep Country like the known company that only they're known for being expensive because they only sell big brands and that's Sleep it. Country Canada. Why buy a mattress anywhere else? And, Ding. and furthermore than that, I think isn't Sealy one of their their brands? Something associated with I so, believe so. Okay, so it was a Sealy mattress that Teal and I were describing to the guy, and he told us he was telling us that it wasn't a Sealy. It couldn't have been. They don't make that type of mattress. <laughs> and and he just immediately told you know try to trash Sleep Country's reputation because they're saying you know they try to rip people off. So we went to Sleep Country and buy a mattress. Great mattress. How much did you spend on the mattress? About seven hundred dollars. That's not bad. Yeah, no, no, not they. I mean, they sell many that are above two thousand dollars, which it's crazy because we we honestly picked the most comfortable one we sat in. I I don't even a lot of the ones that are above two thousand bucks. I don't understand it. They're not that comfortable in my opinion. You know, maybe they you can make yourself sit upright or they have some automatic function or or whatever, but. Overall, I, d- I don't understand the the value there. Maybe, maybe there's somebody else that likes a certain type of firmness or softness that you can't get with a cheaper mattress. But but the coil spring ones, the really dense coil spring ones, are, in my opinion, the best ones. I love those way better than the foam type. It's about what I what I paid for for mine. I think it's a pretty give or take. Place. Yeah, you can get cheaper mattresses. You know, as as low as maybe like three hundred dollars if you really want to push it. As long as you're comfortable, I don't really think it matters. Of course, the cheaper ones aren't going to last necessarily as long. They, they talk a lot about the spring count and things like that. And if they aren't metal springs, if they're foam springs, they tend to just squish in and they'll be flat. But as, as long as you have a lot of metal springs, they tend to last longer in that case. I don't know about foam. The guy was saying something about foam that just hard packs over time and it never springs back into place. But I don't know how true that is. And you, for what individuals is it true? Is it for tr- only true for really heavy people or... I don't know. That I I don't know. I haven't I haven't thought about you, you that. Think, you think like a child. If you're buying a child a foam mattress, they're not gonna have the same density over the the foam top as an adult would, right? Exactly. You you buy a child a, a full size mattress when they're a kid. They could grow up with it because for the first few years they're not making a dent. No, no, no. They may pee the bed, but they're not making a dent. How well? And that's another thing. I always find it surprising when people don't buy a mattress protector. It's a weird thing because they're like, oh yeah, but I'm never gonna wash, I don't need to wash the mattress itself anyways. But you can keep off so many odors and, and things like that. Even even if you're not gonna you know, pee the bed, because you're an adult and you're not a senior citizen, <laughs> it, still, it still helps the spotty sweat. If you, you oh, know, yeah. cut on your body, you bleed into the mattress, that's 100%. not going off. 100%. Yeah. Why don't you take something off? No, uh, I I think that a a mattress protector is kind of standard when you buy a mattress if if it's there to protect, and it's not chintzy like Chesterfield protectors that go over oh, and yeah. change the style. Yeah, that well, just makes sense. Tila was thinking when I said it because she always recoiled when I would say it, and she didn't like the idea of it because she was thinking the older style that they were kind of like crunchy and they were noisy to sleep. Mostly on. made for children, specifically yeah. to. Just a bit, which is kind of dumb. It lets them sleep in their own pee. Like they, yeah. they'd be in a pool of pee to protect the mattress, which I get, but. But but modern ones aren't like that. No. And I never, I've never even had one like that. I'm, I know my parents have always bought them for all the mattresses in the house because mm-hmm. that's what they did. And I, I never would think twice about not getting one because they started like 80 bucks. Yeah. You're, you're spending $700 on a mattress. It's, it's a mattress insurance policy. Yeah. 
you drink some water like i mean even basically any type of liquid in foam isn't necessarily a great thing so you drink water in bed you have a glass of water by your bed and you have a clumsy girlfriend named tila who spills the water it's bound to happen and did you hear something i did what'd you hear just a click it's okay oh have we been going for 10 minutes that's weird Hmm. i don't know now i'm unsure let's just do a check that one's fine. This one's off. The, the shutter dropped on the 70. Who knows why. But why? Cards full. Oh, shit. That's my fault. Okay, we're going to do a magic edit. Hold on. We got to cut way more before that. Shit. That would make sense. That's, uh, that's Antaeus. It probably stopped recording. And then the shutter dropped probably at a while after, so it probably didn't record for very long. So we're, we're not going to have an angle of view for a bit. That's fine. Some might call that an improvement. I'm going to log my beer into... Oh, actually. No, you're looking at if it's still the same time. It was only about a minute or so. Okay. So not too bad. Oh, do you get a new card in there? Oh, I just deleted Antea. And it's reporting? It yeah. Good. Okay. So we were talking about mattresses when we had to abruptly cut. The whitest, most boring topic we've ever talked about yeah. on here. But the know. most critical, one of the most critical things you could buy. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, your life is built around a good night's sleep. And I can't feel guilty about it. I mean, I hope to have this mattress for maybe a decade at the most. At the minimum, maybe five years. I don't know. I think you get five years out of a mattress. It's good, especially at $700. When you think what you buy for $700 or less that doesn't last as long as a mattress, it's a good investment. It's kind of like a car too. Like you can really enjoy a car for the first five years. You can enjoy it for another five years, but man, it's going to start becoming a a pain in the ass. And how much do you want to put up with it? Is it with the money to upgrade kind of thing? Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I would hope that by the time my mattress starts giving me troubles, I have a spare bedroom. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You and then you have in. a mattress for the spare bedroom. Yeah, it works out fine. Um, what I, what Teal and I have been talking about a lot is just cutting up the current mattress because it's it's also one of the pocket coil ones. You can just cut out some of the coils, and we were gonna fit it to fit the back of the van exactly. So if we went to, we we're gonna go to Anime North the convention, or like I guess in a what is that in a week or two? Yep. Just fit it in the back of the van so you can stay overnight, and you don't have to worry about hotel or anything like that, and you can even enjoy. They have like a night, I don't know, I guess they would call it a rave, but basically just a big concert and party out there. So you can, you know, enjoy the time there and not worry about having to drive home or anything. That's nice. That's neat. Just crawl into the back of the van, take a nap. It's going to feel like, yeah, and it's going to be camping in a parking lot. But oh, that's what camping is. Have some fun. Yeah. You're young. Just don't forget who's going to have your back when it's all done. Oh, Which God. is a literal, literal thing in this case. 
apparently Taylor's old mattress is going to have my back. I used to camp so much and I get it. I, every so often, like my, um, my stepsister and brother-in-law there, they go camping all throughout the summer and they keep telling me to come and I want to go. I mean, I have to be such a pussy about it now. I used to sleep on the ground and I wouldn't be able to sleep on the ground anymore. It It's uh, sleeping it, on the ground is not pleasant. It, it, you have to have some kind of it, air mattresses suck too. So you end up on the ground in the morning. I've never had a good air mattress. The I best I sleep I ever had camping. Yeah. In a hammock. Hammock would be fine. There's not. There's no disappointment there. It's just gonna be the same when you wake up as when you went to bed. Yeah, right? hammock in a sleeping bag. You're good. It wasn't too buggy because I was in the sleeping bag. Like it, it was. It it would suck if it rained, but yeah. you wash the forecast and put down a tarp. The the best camping experience I ever had was one of the last kind of smaller my my scout troop owned a a campsite it was just a small campsite that they had the land for okay and it was called camp chirp chirp a very childish childish name but it was for scouts of all ages in the troop so you had to walk through a cornfield to get to the camp it's across a bridge and then there was the main area the Kaibo or the outhouse, which when they were putting the outhouse in, somebody got run over by the outhouse. It was raining and they slipped and it fell on them and slid down a hill. Oh, mm-hmm. that sounds like a really convoluted thing. I don't even know. I can't imagine how that would work out. I can't either, but now it's a campfire song. Hmm. Matt got run over by the Kaibo. And then deeper in the woods was the like the senior scout camp area. And the last time I think I camped there, there was myself and one other of the the senior guys. So it was just the two of us in that area. And it was supposed to rain. So I was smart. I brought a tarp and we hung the tarp up on the trees. Let it go. And it was probably about 15 feet up in the air. We got in trouble. Leaders said, can't do that because the fire underneath it, it's just not safe, which I disagree with. And then it started to rain. Yeah. And it continued to rain. And our tent was just on the cusp of being underneath it so we could get in nice and dry and out nice and dry. So it was a nice little, nice little section. Uh, Friday, well, Friday, we got there a little bit late. So Saturday, by lunchtime, rain hadn't stopped. We were cooking steak over our nice hot fire. They were eating soggy peanut butter and jam sandwiches. Uh They came to us and asked for our fire, and we felt a little tribal. (laughs) Because in there, if you have fire and the other people don't, it does get kind of tribal. That is funny. Although my friggin' friend... The other guy, we had a fire poker, and for some reason he thought it was a good idea to rotate the fire poker, and I burnt my hand badly. <laughs> Terrible noob move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why he would have rotated it. I don't Having a tent, like, a tent that's rainproof is never even a sure thing, so it's always good to have a tarp. I, 
I've never had an air mattress that didn't leave me on the floor, and I've never had a tent that was actually rainproof despite having a rain fly and all the stuff that goes with it. I I would have to agree, too, but I've always wondered if it's rain or condensation that gets in. Condensation, yeah, is inevitable with pretty much any tent, but I'm talking rain, because every time I go camping, it rains. Of course it does. There was a... There was a camp we were at. It was a like a five day camp, and one night we went to bed, and it started to rain, and it rained, and the next day we were all like everything was soaked. We could canoe in our campsite, like it was just flooded, yeah. flooded. Hmm. Um, lots, lots of experiences. I still really love the idea of going i i was a little sad i think about a year ago i found out that all those wonderful scout camps that my father accompanied me with because he was in the scouts when he was younger and i thought he got a kick out of it turns out he did it because he was a dad not that he particularly liked camping it ruined a lot of childhood memories but it was still it's still heartwarming as an adult you get chewed into a lot of stuff i imagine Although if my, my future children wanted you know, to do something like that, that'd be pretty awesome. Oh, I'd love to go camping with them. It gets you sort of involved in Not social situations. your kids, situations my kids, with... but your kids I'd love to go camping with too. Yeah. Uncle Jesse. Um, <laughs> that'd be fun. Be cool. Yeah. But even class trips that my dad went on, I'm assuming that some of them he didn't much care about. He, him and he I went on class trips, like what? Well, we went to Ontario Place one year. I think mm-hmm. that was in grade eight. And then he'd be one of like the supervisors. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess he'd go. I mean, so at I that, guess parents did do that. Not my parents, but other people's parents. At that point, I guess he was reeling with a a child who had just lost a mom. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a good support system. He actually saved somebody at Ontario Place that time. From she, what? Uh, a diabetic reaction. She oh. was by herself. She fainted. Nobody knew what was going on. Well, he did. But he did because yeah. my mom was diabetic, so we had lots of experience with it. Hmm. So stuff like that, which is kind of interesting that it happens like that. And then uh, we went to Bigaman's Park in London. I don't know if you know that. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I've been there. Storybook Gardens. Hmm. But no, um, I, I was thinking driving here of a few things I want to talk about that may spark conversation okay i have a question for you i am ready for your question um is it something you wrote or something you found somewhere no i was well i heard i i listened to a podcast about interviewing on a podcast okay and this is just one of the guests yeah yeah but this is one of the more intriguing questions that I thought was interesting because you have all three room, desk, and car. Which do you clean first and why? This is a question you would ask a guest? I, I don't know why. It, it was one of the weirder questions on the list, but it stuck out in my mind. I think, I think what it's getting at is how does this person address their workflow? necessarily work or the car or desk the room <laughs> if you're going to clean your desk it's for the, probably for the sake of productivity at that point if you're going to clean your car it's probably for the sake of appearing cleanly and if you're going to clean your room it's probably because you want to relax in a room or something like that 
Personally, what would I clean? My desk. Yeah, that's me too. All the time. It would be clean room car. I, Tila probably goes, you know, gets driven nuts about this, but I will, I refuse to work under conditions of non-cleanliness. So for instance, if I am building something in the garage and I have to build it, I will, I will not clean, I will not do anything until I clean out that garage so that we all tools no, in the right place and everything sense. is functional. Or even like if I'm going to edit photos, my desk is a mess. I'm not going to edit photos until I can, you know, move my hands in the place that I need. Oh, yeah. The mouse and the keyboard and everything. You tidy it up. Good to work in. Bedroom is one of those things. It's annoying because half of the space is not mine. So well, half my the site office is meticulous. Either. Yeah, but this, the part I would have, it doesn't bother me that if the other side of the office is dirty necessarily because I don't have to work there. I don't do Nothing anything. personal. Yeah. But in the bedroom, it's it's a bit different because there might be clothes all over the floor and I might want to walk on that side of the room or there might be... For instance, if there are rooms really stupid and the closet door, if it's open, will inhibit the door to the room from closing. So it, And it's always open all the time. So I just have to get up and move a closet door that's not mine. <laughs> it's an interesting um, design the way it is upstairs in this house because it's it was a loft and it was probably at one time... All open, but they divided it down the middle because the staircase is right in the middle. There's now there's two rooms, and they're entirely symmetrical, just you know, backwards. So there's a closet on one, the the room that we have is the the bedroom, and there's a closet in the office. And I just so why'd you I pick took the one in the office? Why'd you pick uh, your bedroom as the bedroom if they're entirely symmetrical? What was the thinking there? It was a little bit more on the side that you probably hear less noise. I think. Okay. That was the main logic. And also, it lines up less with other neighbors' windows, so you could have the window open and be naked, and it probably wouldn't be a problem. The other side, not so much. I think that was probably the only logic. And the view is better on the side that's the office, because you might want to look out the window while you're working or something. Yeah, you do have a nice view out of your office. Yeah, it's pretty good. You can see, uh, well, I guess we live right beside a school, so there's you know lots going, maybe people playing soccer or something in the field, or... And there's people constantly going outside and maintaining their yards and all that. And you can see all the way down the street. Nice job on the lawn, by the way. Looks good. Tila said said something about it, too, but she's never complimented me on the lawn before. I don't <laughs> think I cut it in any different way than usual. Well, you just got two compliments? She said that there's, like, perfect lines of where... There, is, there are lines. It's, they, I cut it's, it the same way every time. Well, it looks good this time. My uh, All of my Italian neighbors might be just a smidge happy. That's they good. probably still hate me for the amount of dandelions on my lawn and and the way the yard looks because they that's their life. Yeah, and that's fine. And you know what? They own their property. You rent this. You you mm -hmm. do what you have to do, but you'll put time and energy into a property owned. To an extent, I really like to renovate the heck out of the place for sure when I when I get a house. But I don't really care that much about the yard maintenance side of it. Although, except that's the lawn. Why I love lawn. cutting the lawn. And I don't really care if the lawn's cut necessarily. I just love the act of cutting the lawn. I do too. And if my family ever hears this, they're yelling at me now. But the only reason why I never cut my lawn when I was younger is my father didn't let me. Not because not? he, much like your symmetrical lines, liked it looking his way. Yeah. And... It was, it all, it looked spectacular all the time. Very well manicured lawn, but no, I apparently couldn't do it up to his standards. Hmm. Now, could I do it now? Yes, but I don't live at home. One time I did cut their trailer, like, because their cottage trailer. Yeah. 
day of lawn there and I got there so I cut it beforehand and he said good job so I mean yay that's 24 years of vindication but <laughs> it's, it's still uh I I liked mowing the lawn and there there is a there's a niceness about it you fall into uh stereotypical gender roles and it's it's great and wonderful having a beer while cutting the lawn is an amazing feeling see i, I don't even care about the ice or the the beer i when i, don't I, when I think of uh but in the middle of mowing the, summer, the lawn thinking lemonade yeah lemon, anything anything like that to drink and, and, and the best part about riding mowers which i don't have and i don't have a need for with this property <laughs> but but i mean i do at the cottage and i also cut the lawn for for a boss of mine just at his house on certain days because I, I guess I was of more use there and then at work or whatever because I was quite new with the job. But just being able to have riding mower, you can just keep your drink on the thing so you don't have to hold it either. It's kind of nice. That works. Riding mowers are amazing because usually if you're riding mower, you have a lot of space, a lot of grass to cut. And I just love yards that are so big. Like, for instance, that one boss had a yard that it, it would take two and a half hours to cut. But on a you, riding mower? On a riding mower. And you, I would just do that. Sounds fun. Circles, yeah, around it, and then the first trip takes not maybe fifteen minutes to go all. Well, maybe like, maybe ten minutes to go all the way around, and you just keep doing these concentrics yep. over and over until you get right to the middle. And it's a super satisfying thing to clear out all of the space as you're as you're cutting the grass. Okay, I'm gonna point something out because everybody else could probably hear it. Jesse's phone is vibrating. The thing I find weird about your phone vibrating is it's not like a pattern. It's just, oh, I, I have it, it set for a constant I know. vibrate. It doesn't stop. Do you find you don't notice it if it was like a pattern? Like a I, rhythmic I, pattern? I have it set for different vibrations for different people. Okay. I just one person has the constant vibrate tone? My father. Okay. Like a constant positive or negative nag in my ear. So, yeah, that's why his is. I think uh, your I I don't know whose is, but there's there's a pattern. Somebody has the SOS vibration. Hmm. That's kind of cool that you can put in a mm-hmm. Morse code pattern. Hmm. Yeah, it, it can it be anything, not just SOS. Yeah, well, they have a at least they used to. I haven't checked it in a while. You could actually create your own vibration pattern, so you could tap to vibrate, and you could do it like. You, whatever you wanted really so you, you set it you by by just holding it down it'll vibrate and you let off and uh you yeah. time it see if there was an actual way to program in morse code vibrations just by like typing the letters oh no no would solve it without you have to you have to go like a little bit more tricky but that that would be neat um this is like the nerdiest thing ever <laughs> wanting Morse code vibration patterns on your iPhone. It's been a long time since I've had to even think about Morse code. Uh, I guess in the Scouts, you probably mm-hmm. would use it, yeah. I, I, you wouldn't know it when you see it, but at one point, I was on my way to being kind of badass. I know, I think Can I you took... badass in the Scouts? Is that a thing? Because we weren't Scouts Canada. I think I've said this before. We were... Um, we were the imported version of the scouts from europe because scouts canada now is at best a a social club for kids not boys because it's like i mean they 
by the time I was in Scouts, it was for boys and girls, but there was still brownies, but boys couldn't join brownies, hmm. which was weird. Not that I wanted to, but... Because gender equality means that women can do everything that men can do. But men can't say, I'm going to do just what women do, not anything more. Yeah, I don't know. That's just creepy, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Um, but the... the <laughs> uh, scouts... The scouts in uh, Europe... We're called the BPSA, the Baden-Powell Scouting Association, and their entire program came from like the original, the original way of scouting. So whereas Scouts Canada now doesn't even have a uniform, we still had Stetsons. Sounds a lot more official. They've sort of kept it true. Yep. Uh, and we... Like, I mean, we canoed. We, we did archery. We, we shot guns. We did a lot. What kind of guns do they have you shooting? Just like little twenty two calibers or something like that? Yeah. I know it's air rifles and cadets. And then on the the last gun I would have touched ever. Uh, shotguns too. Shotgun. Yeah. Shot a duck. And then eat Shot the a duck. duck, really? They actually let you hunt. Not officially. Oh. Just on a canoe trip. Hmm. We caught a duck. Well, we killed a duck. Shot a duck. That's poaching. Well. I mean, somebody had to have a firearms license to have the gun, but did they have a hunting license? Yes. And were they the one hunting? Yes. Okay. Well, then maybe it's not hunting, but the, I think it's a, you need like a migratory bird license. I don't, I guess if anybody's watching this in America or somewhere that has different laws, our laws might seem kind of weird because if you're hunting, you would normally, if you get a hunting license, it's good for three years and it covers what's considered small game. What is considered small game might vary by region. Like for instance, rabbit and, and certain types of bird will be small game regardless of where you are in Ontario. But in some regions, it'll also include coyote and wolf, depending on where you are. Other regions, it does not. And you have to buy seals like tags to go hunt those animals. And, and then from there on out, anything large game like moose, deer, bear, whatever, you have to buy tags. And then there's weird things where there's, there's a turkey hunt. And a turkey hunt, you have to go take a course every single year in order to be able to hunt turkey. And then you would have to buy like a tag for that too. And then it's totally different from any other type of bird. Meanwhile, in the Niagara region, there's turkey everywhere. And same with bear, like anywhere from here to like Barrie, probably even to London, they're everywhere. Go anywhere yeah. north of that, I guess they're gone, but, but they might take it very seriously. And then there's migratory bird licensing as well. If the bird goes somewhere else in the winter, it's suddenly a different class of bird and you need... To, to hunt that separately. Now, who regulates that? Because I'm assuming... The Ministry of Natural Resources. I'm assuming there are retarded ducks that don't migrate south. Oh, there definitely are, yeah. There's one so, you see we're sticking around in winter. So, they're not migratory. Does that mean they're <laughs> free? It, it's very strange, the rules, too. I, I can see why a lot of animal rights activists get annoyed at certain things. Like, for instance, if you're talking about... Well, talking about deer... The most likely tag you will get is an antler tag, which means you can shoot a adult male, a deer with antlers, right? Which makes sense from a population dynamics aspect, because well, you don't need that many males in the population to breed with females, keep the population numbers high. Moose, on the other hand, and it follows by a, a train of logic, but, but the idea is the most common tag you're going to get if you apply for to hunt moose is a calf tag, which is the baby. 
You were allowed to shoot a baby before anything else. You could to to get a cow, which is the adult female, or a bull, the adult male. You would need to usually apply in a party. So you need like five to fifteen hunters at the same time to increase your odds of getting that tag. Why is in that? Particular. Just because these, they figure you're going to split that animal amongst other people, and you can those are you know fifteen people that are not going to go each individually try to get a tag. I imagine that's the reasoning behind it. But but the reasoning behind why the calf is more likely to be given away as if you enter the draw for the tag, is that most, it, a lot of the mothers will will have more than one calf. It, maybe they'll have two or whatever. And odds are that that calf just doesn't survive. And it's not a you know, breeding animal yet. So it's not going to contribute to the population. So I guess they've worked out somehow that it's better for the population if you hunt babies. Which really rubs people the wrong way in many regards. Because it's you know, cute little moose, right? Yeah, that's true. I didn't know that. I, I've grown up with a lot of that kind of the hunting stuff around me, and I don't know. I have varying opinions about it all, really. I would say, I mean, I'm a meeting person at the moment, but I do think it's better than, you know, factory farming and stuff, because that's a horrible thing that goes on that everybody sort of just turns a blind eye to. Or they know about it, and they still eat meat anyways from a factory farm situation. I think... Um... Factory farming, um, unrelated to factory farming. I think there is a restaurant in Toronto that has it. And if there's not, maybe at some point we should do a road trip. But you and I should go review the Impossible Burger. What's that? Oh, you don't know what it is. It, it, sound, it sounds familiar. Is it one of those eating challenge things where you have to no. eat the, so, the burger? It's, it's very, it's been covered by a lot of news outlets. It's not new. Oh, it's, it's the meat It's the one. meatless yeah, one I'm, that I'm they've, they've taken. Um, it, they basically grown the muscle fibers themselves or something like that. It has it's, coconut it oil to, or coconut, uh, yeah, like coconut oil to mimic the, the fat. Yeah. There's, hmm. Is, is it the one that like bleeds like real meat and it's mm -hmm. very similar texture? Yep. Very yeah. similar texture. Okay. And it's not technically FDA approved yet. Okay. But I don't know why it's not technically FDA approved yet. But if there's... people are allowed to eat it and serve it at a restaurant, you think it has to be? I don't know. I yeah. forget. But everybody who everybody who has tested it has said if you didn't, if you weren't told, if you weren't told. Now some of them, I know that there's lots of people that try to make these imitations that are pretty close. Some of them you can tell the difference, but I, I think this is the one that I've heard of that it really is like regular. Well, it meat. looks so much like it too. And it's almost an opportunity at that point to, because they will be making lab grown meat, which is actually meat at some point, I'm sure, just to make it a more efficient process than having to grow a whole animal and, and all that, which is great on the side of ethics, I think, but, but it's still unhealthy. If they, if it's a good opportunity for them to make an artificial meat that's probably lower in certain saturated fats and and just cut down, you know, there doesn't have to be as much of the unhealthy parts to it as, as there are in regular meat, which would be good for the consumer, especially in countries with a very high obesity rate. Canada's pretty high. It's pretty far up there. It's a big swing. It's, it's something that nobody really seems co sees coming and that the, I think most people would be disgusted by the idea that you've grown something that's like meat or you've made it and it's just this imitation. 
but it's going to be commonplace by the time well, we already have imitation kids. meat like it, it we're on the path yeah. of that but i mean stuff like soy burgers and stuff in the past they they're not they no. don't taste at all like meat yeah if you're a vegetarian well yeah if you're a vegetarian they're fine you could you can make a decent sandwich with a lot of them the, oh, i've tried cut imitations and all that no, uh, the the imitation ham and hot dogs Those i've tried I, on on behalf of the the our vegan lesbian friends i tried for a little while and it's it, it's good it's not it's different it's just it, it's trying to be something that it's not going to be yeah for the most part and there's there's nothing wrong with it 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 works it's still not by any means that's that's the thing that always kind of kind of bothered me a little bit like we have a a mutual um acquaintance who you know has has special eating issues but then she eats the unhealthiest parts like there are our joke is she'll go and order a big mac with no meat so you're getting all the all the sugar in yeah. there right like there's the worst part it, of a it, this big person mac. would eat um something that was deep fried and they would only eat the fried yeah onion rings and only eat the fried dough well the onions are good not really that good for you but they taste good yeah so that's yeah no well i mean they, it explains the condition they're in i <laughs> suppose um but that's also a, i guess a bit of a myth is that people think oh you're eating vegan you're eating the strict diet why are you in shape like why aren't you in shape you can eat terrible if you, even on a vegan diet or any kind of diet, really. It's not the, the classification of the diet that necessarily guarantees any state of health. Although, but it just happens that people who choose veganism for, or, or vegetarianism for very specific reasons have thought out their diet and they're conscious about what they're eating. So they exactly. may choose healthier options. Like I was going to say, if I wanted to go vegan, I could go to the grocery store right now and buy all the vegan processed meat and they have in terrible shape i'd be in absolutely horrible shape because yeah. you're not replacing it with anything healthier in some ways just like stuff that's probably higher in salts even oh yeah reason. i mean you're not getting cholesterol so that's that's one positive but that's sort of a long-term down the road heart condition kind of thing mm-hmm. hmm. no you definitely gotta pick your diet carefully and, and there's lots of debates i mean I don't think we've ever really gone into the, the nutrition side of it, but I'm Joe Rogan does it all the time, so I guess we should do it. <laughs> <laughs> People t- talk about the um, the differences in diet, depending on when you get most of your nutrients from carbohydrates or fats or proteins. And people will say, oh, the best way to do it is high carbohydrates. Or other people say it's a ketogenic diet. And, and then there's different opinions about that. And that I don't really care about that much. It's just... People tend to get on a bandwagon one way or the other because they say, oh, ketogenic diet made me lose weight or high-carb vegan diet made me lose weight. What made you lose weight was calorie restriction because you were conscious of what you were eating. So you probably ate less than you would normally as far as calories go. And, and that's really the key to it. I don't think any specific diet is most beneficial for weight loss, which is the most rapid thing you can see yourself and your body's change. Things like vitamins are a bit different though because people... People often associate uh, vegan diets for not having, they'll say, oh, it doesn't have any B12 or it doesn't have certain certain vitamins in it. But they don't usually realize that even the meats that do have them in it only have it as a consequence of people giving those animals those vitamins. You yourself could just 
take a supplement or something on the side. Or Costco, buy a supplement, yeah. and you now have the vitamins. Yeah, and then, but then, you know, they'll think, oh, how can you survive on that? You're going to be short and deficient on certain vitamins and things like that. Meanwhile, people are doing it every day, being just fine through their entire lives on diets that you'd say, oh, they must be B12 deficient or whatever, but it's it's not that big of a deal. And and if you look at it really gram for gram, veggies are the highest in, in vitamins and, and that kind of stuff. So it's it's not too bad. I don't know. Uh, I mean, of course, people say, oh, meat has, you know, a ton of iron. But I think spinach, is it spinach that has a lot of iron? Or there's some greens. Greens have a lot of calcium in them, too, actually. If you have spinach or kale. Uh, spinach. It's not spinach that has iron. It's something Yeah, else. spinach would be iron because that's, yeah. that's the Popeye thing, right? He. <laughs> I don't know if Popeye's a good. Well, he, he would always eat maybe. spinach. Yeah. Spinach is delicious. I don't know what I was talking about when I was a kid and didn't. Want to eat it. I do find that my taste, it, it, it's funny, in life in general, my taste has changed, is slowly progressing, like where and I, I really, I really got to try more uh, mangoes. I mangoes. love, I love mangoes. Never used to. Mm. And I think I, I went through this really weird phase where I loved mango juice, but it's very like sweet, very sweet. Yeah. So I stopped drinking it. But then Melissa gave me mangoes. She's like, eat. I'm like, okay. And just because of the way I was raised, not not in any negative conversation or light, but I didn't always have the most vegetables in my diet, which is just a consequence. I didn't either, but that's because it was my fault. I was a little shit that didn't eat his food. There are some drawbacks of a blind mother, and I think the the food prep might have been one of them. Yeah. Um. So when I she cut up the first mango for me and gave it to me in a container because I was going to work. So when I got to work, like okay, mango, and it took just a mental like moment, like oh, I hope I like this, and I went through it. But by the second mango, I was just chowing down like it was mangoes almost got a a weird aftertaste that i don't like they have a weird much. texture when you're picking them up too because they're mush yeah i <laughs> i usually would eat um frozen mangoes because i'd have them in smoothies and stuff like that that that'd be a good idea i i told her if i want more mangoes i'd make them in a smoothie but there is merit to be eating them i suppose instead of just drinking my fruit and vegetables same thing really if you're not cooking or anything I don't know if I put veggies in a smoothie, but oh, I, I used to lace. I I would put kale in it, I guess, or something. Spinach, lots spinach, of spinach. Yeah. spinach I used to in the in the past year and some. I have consumed more spinach, and I guess technically vegetables, if we're counting spinach as so vegetable. Like as the as the vegetable of choice here, I've consumed more spinach and more vegetables in a year than I have my entire life. Spinach goes good with like everything though. Like you that's, can, that's what I'm learning. You can put it on a pizza, you can put it in some kind of potato dish, you can put it wherever you want pretty much. If you're making tacos, use that instead of lettuce. It's um, nice. good crunch to it too. There is a crunch to it. Mm -hmm. um, but then carrots and beans, again, some of the, the staples where like some people don't like carrots. I find that if they're cooked right, they're good. I mean, I I'm trying to get to a point where it's it's better and I'm better. I think I've said that 
a few times, but it's a slow process because it's, it's hard. Most nights, I mean, most Sunday nights I'll work till five. We'll come here. I'm not home till 10, 30, 11. It's really friggin' hard to cook. So it's, it's a, it's a balance in life of cooking properly and having the stuff in the fridge like spinach or anything. Cause even like we said, a smoothie is better than McDonald's. So at 10 o'clock at night I can make a smoothie, but right now I don't have the spinach in the fridge. I have some frozen bananas and stuff like that, but even bananas aren't that great. Do you ever freeze your spinach? I did the last times, but I'm just completely out of spinach. I best idea ever because spinach goes bad pretty quick. Yeah. But if you freeze it, it, and it just, it does this thing where it warms up and it's basically the exact same as it was. It may be a little mushier, but it, it preserves it perfectly. It's like the ideal way to do it. And if you don't want to cut up your spinach and it's frozen, you just crunch the bag around and yeah. it just flakes. It was, it, it's a nice discovery. So I'm slowly on my way. I don't think I'm ever going to be skinny, skinny, but I Why don't. not? It's so achievable, really. Oh, it is achievable. I, I, I just don't know. I, I know what my... When I, when I actually get down to business and I just kind of had an idea, it's not an original idea, but we should, uh, we should utilize it because I mean, again, not stealing from Joe Rogan or whatever, but the idea of losing weight with the possibility of doing it in front of camera, a challenge? not a challenge, oh. you, you would have a hell of a lot less to lose than me. So I can't lose weight. Exactly. I wouldn't be healthy if I did. But I just a personal challenge might be better to do on camera. Yeah, I, I, somewhere, somewhere there are some absolutely hideous boudoir photos of me that should inspire my, <laughs> my weight loss. Who took those photos? Hmm? Who took those photos? Tila. Really? You were there. I don't remember this. Well, I think we were having a joke about it, weren't we? It was a serious boudoir shoot? Well, no, she was testing out before we did the women. Oh. But I was in my underwear for all intents and purposes. It was a boudoir shoot. Maybe we should include one of those photos if we're going to do this challenge. No. <laughs> Maybe later? <laughs> Maybe later. But not right now, because I, I mean, that would just be inappropriate. Okay. Um, so after this, we'll film a segment, okay? You're going to step on a scale, and we're going to show where your starting is. Okay. Okay. So wait till the end of the video to see that segment. Okay, there there we go. That's okay. fine. I kind of... Set in stone. I've always wanted to be depressed. I know where I well, am. But though. now you have a source of motivation. Yeah, I know. Now, do you... There's a whole thing about it working so much better for men. If you just... If, I don't know. You send them a text every morning that says, Hey, fatty, lose some weight. There's sort of, there's sort of this degrading quality that men can use for motivation... More than women, apparently. And, and and I don't know if this assertion is true entirely, but I've seen some evidence to it. I've seen people bring it up quite a bit. Cause I, and I've heard, <laughs> I've had some women tell me, like, well, I asked, what would you do in this situation? And they'd say they'd probably just cry and <laughs> feel terrible and then eat more and feel terrible about themselves. And, it, and it's just a weird thing where, for some reason, it seems to work for a lot of, a lot of guys. Because they don't want to be. Nobody wants to be overweight and know, and know that they're overweight. No. Even people that are on this body positivity craze are kind of lying to themselves, I think. I know I'm overweight. I've never, I've never uh, been oblivious to that fact. I think if I got a text message um, like, hey, fatty, lose weight, it, it, it wouldn't offend me, first off. 
Or maybe he needs to, though. Well, what what's there to... You're not awakening my... No. My... If you accept that it's true to begin with and you haven't done anything about it already, I guess maybe it's not the most effective tactic. That's the problem. I don't have an excuse as to why I haven't done anything about it. And I think that that is a problem with a lot of people. Like, I've... I've given... At best, at my best point going to the gym, I was giving it maybe 70% of what I could on average. There were some days where I would really like I would feel accomplished, like I was able to like do everything that I needed to do. And then on the eating side, the eating side has always been horrible. But I, I think the problem is or has been and I'll get to the point because it'll segue nicely into other things too, is I've always just been coasting. I've never been, well, since high, like high school, I was fairly healthy, but I was also 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fear, because at one point I was told and I got a physical and it came back good, within reason. As I've said before, the cholesterol was higher than it should be but not at risk that's where i mean i'm coasting did i do anything about it to better it no uh could i have yes should i have of course now if i start feeling bad tomorrow and you know i go to a doctor and they're like well you know what you're six months away from a heart attack that's when i would get the problem is with the dietary stuff is that it's almost too late. And even stuff like you would put yourself further at risk for stroke and all these things that probably yeah. would be seen ahead of time. It, and I mean, honestly, there's people that are morbidly obese that really are probably still a long way off a heart attack. Like it, it creeps up on you. And by the time you're really at risk, it's kind of too late. So that's, that is what I have been thinking about more and more recently. Um, like I said before, it's where for the most part, life is good and I'd like to stick around for a bit and I'm not getting any younger. Nope. That's, that's the, the truth. So something does have to happen. And if I could, you know, break that, break that uh, 200 pound threshold and be under that. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, it's easier to do now than later, obviously. And I, I think there's a number of people who's hold. They say, you know, by the time you get 28, for some, I don't know why it's 28, but 28. So your metabolism starts slowing down. It becomes a lot more difficult. I've got a year and a half. Yeah. Let's do this. So, exactly. So, ex- you get, starting now might make the difference. If you put yourself into, the, you know, the average BMI now, maybe it'll be easier to coast for the rest of your life kind of thing. Okay. I'd hate to do this because this is pause number two, but I'm getting phone calls and text messages. A lot. So I should probably okay. take a little break. So be right back. Yeah. Oh. I remember to change my battery, my mic. Also, this is the noise slate. Okay. What did you say? I'm just talking to the mic. Oh. Noise slate.
change the batteries in my mic. H4N is going off now. Waiting on a phone call. Okay. He gets a blood clot in his leg. Is he in, in town then? Huh? Is he at the St. Catherine's Hospital or something? Tilsonburg Hospital. You were out in Tilsonburg? My father, yeah. But why were you late to the podcast then? Like, where were you? In Tilsonburg. You That's... came all the way from Tilsonburg? Yeah. Holy crap. H4N back on now. It's good to get it checked. to talk about even if we don't use names because we were talking about dietary stuff pardon we were talking about dietary stuff well we can still continue i mean that is definitely one of the things that is giving me good it, reason good motivation let's sidestep it a little bit just because i i don't know but okay. there's there's more don't worry i i've been thinking about things that i wanted to say anyway so Okay, no more breaks. Tracked from from that one. From breaks. phone calls. Um, there's there's a certain element I, I want to be around. Now, apparently, I've got a year and a half. Um, like we said, 
because I am a year and a half away from being 28. So, yep. you know, which I don't think it means much, but it's just a number everybody throws out. You know what? There's, I do well with deadlines. So there you go. <laughs> Why? That's your deadline before your metabolism shits the bed and you're stuck like this or yeah. worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, there's, there's been so many moments in my life that should have been the Kickstarter and they were to an extent, but I just, again, I coasted like when I hit 21, Oh, wait a second. No. Yeah. Five years no. ago, yeah. What was happening when you were 21? Oh, it would have been 21. Okay. I, I, before I say anything, I want to get the math right. Is it really important to... Well, no. It's okay. just... I. There was a moment where I realized that... By by uh, standards because my mom died when she was 42 yep and i guess i said 21 for that reason but there was a moment in my life where i realized the halfway point you know by that point you know i'm halfway there but i think uh like that's that's a uh that's a scary thing to think about i i think that that should have been a good a good kick in the ass to get going, but it didn't. And then now I'm even closer. Next year. It's not a very tangible thing. I know. With age. Oh, only because it, it's, it's just, just a number about you know how many times you went around the sun. Mm -hmm. But it, it is kind of interesting. I I wouldn't want to to leave my kids under those circumstances at forty two. No. No. Um, but I think that something should be done and I, th I, there needs to be a better, needs to be a better like food and health balance. And I had a, a actual, uh, really kind of bad experience this weekend. Mm -hmm. And it's now kind of all piling up at once uh first things first this weekend and it, it happens all the time it's not it's not horrible it's it's the circle of life so to speak but i have a golden retriever who's going to be put down this oh. week so uh today i said goodbye and that's a that's a 14 year old dog i met that dog she's a cute dog she's and even now there's some days like today where she just has so much, she acts like a puppy and then other days she has to sleep. So it's, but she, she is in pain. So we like, you say goodbye there, but then my nephew shot a hole in my heart and he doesn't even know what he said. He, I, I don't think he knows kind of exactly what he said or how deep and meaningful it is to me and how much it hurt. His communion was yesterday, mm -hmm. and I missed the actual communion, first communion. Um, I was told that I knew about it six months in advance, but I don't think I did. Anyways, that's yeah. that's not important. The point is, with work and other reasons, I missed the communion, but I was able to make it to the, the party afterwards. All right. And... I gave him his now official children's DH media sweater. 
I like it. Yep. And he was really happy once he realized what it was. Duh, media. Like, okay. At least it's better than Dolster videography and photography. You wouldn't have got that. Duh, media. I like it. Um, And then I went sentimental uh, because almost to the day, but 18 years ago, my father wrote me a check for $25 that was never cashed. I found it when I was cleaning my apartment in my first communion card from my mom and my dad with a check for $25 that was just never cash. So I wrote Mason a check for $25. If they go cash it? Probably. And with the experience today, it will probably be NSF because apparently the account's been closing. He's going to get a 750 fee from his bank account. I'm going to get it. uh, What did he say? That's what I want to know. I went to him and I said, hey, you know, congratulations. He's like, thanks. I'm like, you know, first simple question is like, how was it? It's like, it didn't taste very good. I'm like, well, you know, whole first communion doesn't taste very good. Wine and flatbread. Yeah. And now it's, oh, they they don't let the kids drink the wine now. No, they don't even water it down anymore. No. Man, that wasn't that long when I was in school and that was just the. That heavy. Yeah. Uh, Grape juice. Which is fair. Without I mean, the yeast. Your, the blood of Christ is... is Plastic. It, it be could whatever be whatever. It to be. The body of Christ. I think it'd be great if we were eating steak. The body of Christ. Medium rare. Mm, tasty. Anyways. He said, I'm surprised you came. You normally miss a lot of these things. Oh. And he's seven. Yeah. And I don't quite think he knows the turmoil I go through for stuff like that, but he really hurt me. And you might get it as an adult. I mean, as an adult, we all sort of know how hard the other adults were working or like, I guess, around us when we were children. Maybe it brings understanding. A lot of people resent it, I would say, but. The the work-life balance is so hard, especially when there's so many people that you care about that are further away. And then on top, not that there's a hierarchy of things, but I mean, especially if I have kids, you're going to spend time with your kids or you're going to go spend time with your nephew. Like there's, there's a very, I don't have kids now. I don't really have an excuse. And then now that I'm in a, a relationship that's taking time, I'm thinking about all the times that I was single. Why the hell didn't I go visit? But then I did. I did visit a few times here and there. But yeah. it's still, it's not easy to get to. But I, I think maybe it's a little bit different for every single person. But when I was a kid, that was kind of, it probably was the peak time, at least during my lifetime, when it was a family. Like All the family would always get together. I would be at my grandparents place and you, you know all of the cousins and all that would be get everybody would just get together it was very different and as I grew up it became less and less of that I don't know how much everybody got together before I was born I, I seemed that there's also home videos that seemed to show that it happened a lot which I guess people just do as they're younger but it maybe goes in waves or something so I don't, I'd like to maybe one day when I do have kids I think it'd be a good excuse to get together a lot more with family and you know the grandparents and my brothers might have, you know, kids too, so they're going to have cousins and all that. Well, we get together for the 
for the like the absolute basics easter christmas all that thanksgiving and that's all wonderful but they're busy most days i'll work till eight so that's out and then on my days off sometimes they're not days off or they're in school during the summer yeah it's a little bit easier i do see them a lot more in the summer but he there it's it's very difficult to balance the the work and life like like actual like social life aspect because even now just one and a half weddings deep i'm I'm getting that drug addict twitch like i know i have to be home and i got work to do and thank god for adobe premiere uh giving me like that yeah, you get a little bit of time boost. back. Yeah. It's nice. Um, I think I'm already peak efficiency for my photo editing as far as the software side of it. For photo editing? Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I can personally make myself work quicker, but as far as the adjustments I can make to the technology I'm using, even if I got the fastest computer in the market, I wouldn't save an important amount of time. So it's not a big deal, but, but switching software is a big thing. But there's nowhere, there's no up from Photoshop and Lightroom, really. No. I think the the hardest part, and it, it even sucked with Canadian Baby, is it was trying to build DH Media or Dulster or whatever, while also working for somebody else, building somebody else's, you know, thing. Even though I was a contractor, there was still... I'm a workaholic by nature. So if you say, hey, do you want to, you know, do 10 baby photo shoots today? You're like, well, that's money. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. I think that, I don't know. I, at some point, something will, will have to change. I'll have to. I have to focus more on DH media and say there's editing days and then there's me days because I don't take a lot of me time and I don't need a lot of me time. I know we've talked about me time. It's this very different thing too, where like I kind of wish at my job framing houses, we would just push 12, 13 hour days more often because I don't really like right now I'm in a position where Tila works different hours than me. So I don't have a girlfriend to come home to. And once you work eight hours, what's what's the difference whether you work eight or ten hours yeah. or twelve hours? And what am I going to be doing in my spare time at home that's going to make me money? Luckily, I'm photo editing, which keeps me happy because I can keep working when I get home. But but I like having stuff to do, and it's insane to me. Like, why would I want to go home and not make money as opposed to be right here and make X per hour? That's why. That's why the baby photos thing was, it always worked very, very well for me because I could go on vacation and still make money while I was away because other people were selling my photos. Yeah, that right? helps you get a little bit of kickback. That was, that was helpful. Or days that I had off, there would be other people selling my photos. So even when I'm at home, I'm still making money. Obviously, because the company went bankrupt, it wasn't enough money. No. But I was still making money. But now my general work schedule, if you assume that I work at BD till 8 p.m. like I do most nights, I'll go home uh, again, normal night. Uh, as soon as I get home, I'll cook dinner. I'll screw around for maybe an hour, maybe put it to 930. And then I will edit or do whatever I need to do 
uh, and I will edit from 9.30 till maybe like 11.30. I'll change, I'll change uh, pace a little bit, do something else for a little bit, then from like 12 till 1.30 or 2. Like when, when I'm home, a lot of the times I'm working, which is why people would say, oh, it's so crazy how you let Justin live in your dining room. But I just, when I'm home, it's not like I'm lounging on the couch. I, I work mm-hmm. and it, it does become a become a hassle but I don't know I like it building building towards something is very interesting but I just really hope that all the work doesn't end up in a lie in how's that well you always hope that one day you, you'll you'll make enough income that you can pull back a little bit but it's not in my nature to pull back I don't even think it's necessarily reasonable to do that. But you work, like, I mean, even working nine to five. Yeah. That would be a quote-unquote normal white-collar job. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't either. And I... I Absolutely not. The, the one thing, no matter what the hours are, and the importance, I think, in having some sort of office or storefront, even if it's not for customers is knowing okay this i'm is, working today this is the workplace and when i leave it stays there it stays there yeah. and that's the problem with the computer in the the uh the the apartment or the living room i can agree with that sentiment i mean this is a really common feeling expressed across many people that they need a space that isn't in their house to be doing that stuff and i don't it seems pretty good in theory, but at the same time, what I'm at home, I love working in my office, and it's my house, and I, I didn't. Oh yeah, there there is a niceness house. to it, yeah. and I like being able to, uh, you know, go to my kitchen, make a tea, go back at it, and all that yeah. stuff. But even like let let's say. I said, screw beanies, I quit, and I'm not going to, full disclosure. And I quit and do DH Media full-time. And I say, uh, these are my working hours, I'm not gonna follow it. No, I wouldn't either. Even if there were no obligation to follow it. Even if there was an office, what will happen is, like, if, if I were to put myself in a domestic relationship, we'll say Melissa and I moved in together, and for the first year, I worked from home. You'd see a lot more of each other. You'd see you? a lot more of each other. Yeah. But I'd be at the desk. So I'd be like, don't worry. This year, I'm going to get an office. Yeah. That's great. And I'm going to see less of her, because yeah. instead of working overtime at home, where you get to talk occasionally and... Yep. What not? You're just going to be working in an office, so it's 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 very hard. And I found I th- a solution. Everybody you work with pulls together, and you buy an apartment complex, like a like a four unit apartment complex, and one of the units in the middle is the office and the storefront, <laughs> and then you all go to work in the middle, and you're no more than a hundred steps from your your bed. It's an interesting idea. You can buy like a set of four unit townhouses, right? It's true. Right. There's got to be a way to do it. I mean, and, and obviously in a downtown sector, if you want your storefront there, there's always apartments above the the business. 
So there's there's lots of ways you can kind of hybridize that. So you don't have to travel to an office and it's not the separate thing. And you're not making trips back and forth and wasting time and, and staying away from everybody. It's kind of, you could think of Casey Neistat's a pretty good example where he has this space. And I don't know how far away, away it is from where he lives, but it doesn't seem very far. He commutes by like a a boosted board most of the time, and now he's using a little electric bike. But it, it seems like this is the place everybody knows they can reach him at, kind of. Because he constantly has people coming in there, and it's it's more of a social thing than just uh, just an office. Like you would think of an office, like a, a business office or something. Yeah. Th there's got to be a way to, to hybridize it in a way that makes sense. As I've said before, I wish that the laws of taking a... Because... It doesn't work backwards. You can take a home, you can take a residential place. Make it a business. And turn it into a business. But you can't take a commercial place and zone any of it for residential. Mm -hmm. Unless you, you zone the entire part or it's a separate unit. But you can't buy a storefront and say... I'm going to sleep in the back room. I'm going to sleep in the back. They don't allow that. There's people that do it. Oh, yeah. But Which they, I think they have... Good for them. I don't really care. It's kind of middle finger to that concept but but i i think that that would make things a lot easier because if you said that i could rent a storefront for well, let's say 1300 a month pretty cheap pretty cheap well 850 of that per month could go from my apartment rent to the storefront and then I sleep in the back. And now it's a little bit of up cost, but barely any more and you're not a business. A hundred dollars a week? Oh yeah. Of income? Nothing. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, it, it's not a perfect system. And I think that the, the, the entire business model is slightly problematic too in the last minute uh, spectrum. Like the, the last minute wedding makes things hard to plan and you do plan, but then I feel guilty um, if I if I make plans on a weekend and then somebody calls me, it's like, uh, how much are these plans worth versus whatnot? There's there's a wedding. I've had two people interested in a wedding on June 9th. And What's it's happening? just it's just video. Yeah. And it's two separate brides who messaged me within the first few days. I sent them the info, they haven't got back to me. And I told Justin, I'm like, that's, that's a video opportunity. Like he's like, he, he's, he's a prime video person. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, well, when do we know about the weddings? I said, I, it's, I can't say I need, I, to an extent I can say I need to know now, but that's a bit aggressive. Yeah. At some point I'll go to them. I'll be like, okay, I, I do need to know. He's like, well, there's a music concert or music festival in Hamilton that weekend and Bree wants to go. I said, I can't stop you from booking it. Absolutely not. That being said, if it comes up, do you stay or do you go? If you stay, there will be trouble. And if you go, there will be double. But the it really depends on the person's priorities. And... For me personally, I think I want to always be the guy that I'm absolutely yes, create basically any opportunity that comes up. I have always... I'll make it work for the most part. If that means me working as a framer from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. and then booking it to a wedding and then working till midnight, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd be happy to do that. But it's 
it's a different mindset for sure. It is a good, it's, it's a good mindset to have, but it's one that can, I think to an extent can only last so long right now. We're coming first. I think it's important. I've had that discussion with Melissa and it's awkward. It's a hard, not a hard discussion to have, but to say, Hey, I will probably ignore you a bit in the summer, not purposefully, but I get tunnel vision in editing. There's a bit of a different side of it as well. Like where we have quite a lot of work in, in just wedding photography and videography. It's getting good. And I'm happy about that, but it's, it's going to get to a point where there's more than that. And there's essentially every weekend booked at some point, ideally, right. Or, you know, just about, you can almost start turning people away at that point. You can be more selective with your own choices. Well, yes. If you know, the income is there. Well, that, that's just it. So I, I think that's the cutoff point. Or it, it's, a, it's, it's either that or you restructure the, the business in such a way where uh, you can handle the workload, but you know that Eric, we'll just say Eric, uh, Eric and Tila only work X days. They cover the shooting. Uh, Jesse and Justin cover the editing type of thing. So we were working. That's not bad. And editing time can be scheduled on your own time too. Mm -hmm. So really the busier people could take advantage of editing on the off peak days of the, the week. It, it is easier to, to spread out and delegate things as, as the company grows and you have more people involved. Because you would never, th there's only been one or two customers that I've turned away there's only been one customer that I wish I turned away. And the, the customers that I turned away, they came to me at a point where we were hitting a, a stride of like really knocking it out of the park with those coffee interviews. Like when we met Lisa and James, that, that was, was a good talk. I love that. Uh, the longest time Teal and I have ever sat in, sat in a Tim Hortons and talked was with Danielle and Troy. And that was a that went well. That it, well, it was a great wedding. Yeah, but it was a two and a half hour coffee date because once we started talking, like, hey, maybe we can put a T Rex in your wedding photos. That just we, but you became friends, and I am friends with them. But going from Danielle and Troy to couple B, and they start saying, "Well, I want this, this, this," and you don't have that vibe. Mm -hmm. And then they're saying, well, I also want this and I only want to pay this. It kind of scared me to the point where their demands weren't exactly on par with the budget that they had. So I, I'd go through the meeting. I'd be as pleasant as possible. And I always am. Mm -hmm. But after the fact, uh, I would email or phone, depending on how they their point of contact was set up. And I would say, okay. I've thought it over and just professionally speaking, I don't think that this is going to be the best like workflow because we want to be able to provide you with the best possible experience that we can provide. And I, I feel like there's like two different directions of the vision and your vision is the most important one. So if it doesn't align, it's not going to work. We can mold our vision into most prize dreams it's a more nuanced thing so it's not like the customers that just flat out say, hey, can, can you do my wedding for 300 bucks and breakfast? <laughs> and, and then it's just like, well, sorry, no. 
Uh, the most I can pay you is $45 in a case of beer. Yeah. Thanks, Josie. <laughs> um, no, it, it is. It would be more difficult to deal with a situation where somebody wants just a little bit too much for that little bit too little. But I don't, I don't know. You, I guess you really have to, at the end of the day, have to give them the number that's going to make them happy. And if they refuse that number, well, there's other photographers and videographers out there, which I don't think will give you as good of the experience. But, but that's, that's true. There's there's an element of customer uh, customer service that has always been a key component to it. I was going through my old prices, and I think I said I was going to tell you the the first six hour half day one photographer package that I ever offered. Guess how much it was for six hours? Yeah. For a photographer, I'm going to guess $600. Lower? $300. $400. $400. Okay. So it's scaled up there, uh, which at the beginning, I I was always more video-centric because yeah. that's what I went to school for. And I thought... And I stupidly thought that if I know the video, the photography will translate. It wasn't until about April of 2016 where I realized that I had to get my butt into gear. Thank you very much, Eric. And things have progressed wonderfully since then. Tila criticizes your photos way more heavily than I do. Although we both go at it a little bit. Yeah, but I can criticize her 160th of a second I gave her, action I shot. I gave it to her for that. At breakfast this morning. <laughs> it's true, though. And I was nice. And I edited that entire conversation that we had out of that last one. About it. But for professionalism's sake. But you should. It's, it's yes, it's your own style. And if you nail the shot, it's fine. But there's definitely people that can. You, you, okay. For, for people who I guess don't really understand. When you're shooting a camera with manual settings, which all professionals tend to do just because it gives you the most flexibility in the image you create. Pause for a second. Oh. Melissa did something amazing. What'd and the do? photo was decent. She she works nights. Yeah. And one night she sent me a picture of the moon from her cell phone. And she sent me two. Okay. She's like, I took this photo first. And I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. So I turned my cell phone into manual mode. Yeah. And I took another one. And she probably exposed her, comped it down. She made the moon look like a moon should look like. I wonder if I can find I'll it. That. I'll just get back to the brief yeah. explanation. So photographers, professional, usually shoot manual mode. Things that they control uh, most basically are the aperture, which is the size of the opening in the lens, very roughly speaking. The wider it is, the more light it lets in. Smaller it is, the less light it lets in, and the shutter speed and the ISO, which is just a sensitivity, basically. But the shutter speed is the important one in this conversation because you can set how long the shutter is open for and recording the image. Because not all images are just this instantaneous thing. It takes a certain amount of time. And usually, because you would take an image and expect everything to be still, it'd have a quick shutter speed. A quick shutter speed would be an example of maybe like one five hundredth of a second. You'd be able to capture a little bit of motion without having any blur to it. It's a pretty good photo. From a cell phone. Yeah. And, it's a moon. And, and yeah, so you, but if you go too low, you'd have essentially like a drifting sort of effect or like a motion blur, which you, I'm sure you can see on your cell phone if you take a picture in the dark and somebody's moving around. And, and there's certain situations in which it's applicable to use, but generally, let's just say if we're doing wedding, being at 
a one sixtieth of a second indoors when there's you know something somebody's walking up the aisle or whatever's going on is risky because you could be standing perfectly still and it might work but if somebody's moving too fast or if you jitter or shake a little bit it's going to ruin the image and that's not acceptable basically if you're doing wedding photography especially if it's a really key moment something you need a photo of so so it is for anybody who's getting into photography and you're trying to use manual mode be very mindful of what you're doing with all your settings be very intentional like why am i using this aperture well for this purpose why the shutter speed because of this purpose iso even is, is less important generally unless you have a an older camera which has, looks very noisy at high isos but here's one of the nice things about video i mean on the wedding day 160th and then uh, unless you're going stylized, you really just screw around with the, the ISO and then the aperture because the, uh, the shutter speed should stay the same. That being said, the last wedding we did for video, for video, yeah, the last wedding that we did in the reception hall, I had to go to one thirtieth for some of it. I didn't have my lights. I needed just a little bit more and I don't normally do that, but you can, when I'm looking at the footage, I can. And it, it impressed me, actually. I tell. can clearly oh, yeah. tell when I made the switch, A, because it looks brighter, yeah. and B, because it has More that... Blur. Yeah. That, that's the thing. With, with video, the rules are a little bit different because there's sort of yeah, the, the preset notion that you keep your shutter speed basically... Double the... Double the frame, frame rate. rate. Or and not double necessarily, kind of... As just close a relationship, to double. But the one over the... In the fraction, over the... Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yeah... You can definitely notice the difference between a 30th of a second in video footage compared to a 60th of a second or one 120th of a second. Now, that also being said, because it's constructive, there are some, uh, there, there have been a lot of times, and you're included in this, where you guys have wowed me with like the, the results. The photos are really good. So Tila's method, maybe I accidentally caught her she, she's a, obviously a great photographer. That's why we, yeah. we work with her. But. And maybe the one or two times that I glanced over, she was doing something stylized that required her to be shooting at 180th of a second. I don't know. Mm -hmm. One of the times, I believe it was during the ceremony, so I can just be like, what are you doing? And then I forgot about it later. But the results have been great. It's amazing to look. Every year, it gets better and better. Like there is a, just a, it will be eventually a historical, uh, like time capsule. You can one, see Dulster video thing, and photo version one. One thing I'm very curious about, because I can't, it, it's probably done this way on purpose, but if you find your local really high end photographer who gets paid 5,000 bucks to show up, everything else is extra. They shoot on a Leica and they just, they're an artsy type there. They fall into that category. And their photos are beautiful, despite shooting on, you know, the, the manual gear that's very clean, and very specific. And I feel like this is directed at maybe one or two people. I'm, I'm thinking of a specific person that I don't think you know who, yeah. who they are. But, but this person, that's just what they charge. And, and their photos are beautiful. They're amazing. They're better than stuff I put out. Absolutely. I want to know where that person started. Because I can never find earlier stuff that wasn't good before they had the like and before they had the reputation. And I, I don't know how manicured photographers are of the past. So, I mean, 
We clear stuff off the Instagram page now, mm -hmm. I, I suppose, but I, I think I think transparency is nice, especially in the the artistic. But it's not relevant almost to the past itself. You don't have to be transparent about that, right? No, because it's not the product you're delivering now. Is it? No, but there's. Well, okay, transparency in business, no, you definitely don't need to say, hey, these are from 2015. Yeah, because it's not representative of your current work. To hide the fact that they existed, there are still some photos that uh, from 2015 or 2016 that I still really love that we have. Yeah, but I'm sure there's lots we don't like and we don't use anymore. Yes. Yeah. And some of those are for competitive reasons, keeping them away from what was once... Uh, Josie's second time we've mentioned website, whatnot. But uh, I, I, I just think it, it's a neat way of seeing how far yeah. it's all come, and the the video side of things too. The video side is is interesting because it's one that I never see. Even if I shoot the video for the wedding, I never really see the final product because. I mean, we'll make highlight reels and stuff, which will be great. If you want to see them, but, you can. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be interested in doing that just because, I mean, as weird as it is watching somebody else's wedding video, it feels a lot more personal than looking at their photos. The best I wedding like videos are the full-length ones. Yeah, I'd like to see the story arc, kind of, because I've, I've never sat and watched a full wedding video that we've produced. I'll send you uh, some of my faves. I do have... It sounds weird, but I have my collection of wedding videos that I will go back to uh, see the way to, to see the way it was done. Uh, when I was editing the highlight reel for this past one, uh, it's been a while since I actually edited a highlight reel for a client, not for myself. So when I edit it for myself, if the client gets to enjoy their wedding day for free, like in a highlight reel form, they're not going to say anything. But if they're paying for it, I want to make sure that it's on it's par with what they've seen. Yeah. So I went back to the other paid ones. I'm like, okay, so during the ceremony, I didn't really, because the ceremony is not visually important necessarily. So a little bit of the bride walking down the aisle, uh, the groom takes the bride's hand, and then they kiss because it's a religious ceremony. So you have to, you have to shrink it down. Yeah. And then lots of shots of them taking photos, and then it'll cut to the dancing and whatnot. So I have my my standard, my my standard uh, samples that I don't edit off of, but I take inspiration from. Hmm. Uh, first time I've ever got a copyright strike on Facebook. Because of the music. Because of the music. What was the music? Uh, I'll name the dogs by. Oh, country people are not going to like me. I'll name the dogs by by this somebody. Was your choice or was it the, their choice? Their, their choice. one hundred percent choice. Okay. And it's such a gray area. And I realize there's now damning evidence against it. But was it playing in the background of the? Nope. Okay. So then. So it is. It is one hundred percent using somebody's song for the sake of profit. Like not this. yes profit but it's it's one of those things where i haven't you, there's no way that every single wedding videographer out there that you see license. pays to license a yes. song it's not a chance in hell because i've looked it up and it's not cheap and you cannot unless it's a really high-end client go to them and say like you know what you want the beatles that's great it's going to cost you an extra ten thousand dollars to license this song mm -hmm. And be like, okay, 
yes, you can use covers and then it's cheaper, but sometimes they don't like that. Uh, I'll name it. The Dogs by Blake Shelton. I okay. don't know why I didn't remember that. But. Well, that's a problem for us, I guess, on the YouTube end of it. And, and Facebook. It's, uh, Facebook, too. Okay. Anyway, anywhere with an algorithm, essentially. Although there's nothing stopping people from delivering privately videos with that kind of copyrighted content. Legally, there is, but not. there's no algorithm that's going to stop you from doing it. So the way that I did it before is I, gave, I would give them... Because I was always really nervous about it mm -hmm. because I thought if you get caught there's I mean it's it's a big deal just like pirating music and, and such yeah but it, it eventually got to a point where doing it the right way or even the the uh, the kind of gray area way where they got two versions of their wedding video didn't quite work two versions one with just one that they could share online oh. because there's also an element of whether or not it's legal. If they try to share that wedding video online on Facebook, yeah. Facebook, I know that that specific song, Facebook won't even let me argue that it's fair use. No, they just said no more audio. The other songs that are on the Facebook page do have actual songs, but because I'm not, uh, I'm not directly profiting off of that video. Uh, it's interesting that the algorithm that uh, that decides that it's it's a song or whatever mutes the whole video as opposed to just that song, the segment with that song in it. Mm -hmm. You think it could? Is it being? Is, it's being a little bit addictive. Well, for for the highlight reel, most of the video is that song. Yeah. But I'm thinking more like YouTubers that have a song on in the background while they're vlogging and they get striked. It, or Tila's Facebook Live video that she did when she was making the soup or whatever. And did it, it auto detect while she was doing it? Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. It is. It, it, it's... It sucks because the video with the song, the Blake Shelton song, there's something about professionally produced music that it just... When I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like, mm -hmm. there's just cutting like, to the it's, beats. It's it seems... fires emotion, and, and yeah. it's, it's well-produced, so it's easier to follow for, yeah, editing stuff, too. But I just, I... That's a tough one. Every You Google it, and there's no kind of, like, direct answer. People know that it exists, but it's such a small segment of the of the... The overall copyright market, I think. And I wonder how often copyright cases go. Like, there's some big copyright case for for music because I know people pirate stuff all day long, and there's no repercussions for basically everybody. Wedding videos should, to an extent, I think, not necessarily be exempt, but. It's so personal to the couple that the the band the the oh one thing that I, I should mention uh, even though it doesn't make it amazing but it, it it allows me to have a incredible growing music collection mm -hmm. is I always buy the song yes so they say I'll name the dogs if I have it. That's the one that I'll use. If I don't, I'll buy it. It's $1.29. Sure. Whatever. 
maybe maybe it's a, what the issue is, is it lacks any sense of scale because the, these companies like the record label is trying to make profit and they sell the song at whatever price for personal use and they'll license it for like films or these big productions for obviously the amount that they want right but they have no sense of scale for businesses that are smaller than that or in the case of the wedding business if you if you go based on what the people who don't get video say we're just afraid we're not going to watch it. So you put this song in this wedding video that over the lifespan of the actual copyright may be watched, if it's a really good video, all the DH Media videos, we'll say a dozen times yeah. by the bride and groom, and that's it. So you would, the easiest way to think about that was you should probably take the scale, so how many people are watching it? Two. Let's just say the editors include, so we'll say three. And, and a dozen times, so three times 12. And let's just say it's a dollar per listen. Now you have a number to work with. That's a reasonable thing. That's true. You say to a bride and groom, I'd like to license this, get the license for the song. It's going to be $50. They're probably gonna say, yeah. If it makes or breaks the video, yeah. 50 bucks is probably not a big deal to most of our clients. That's true. But it just, it doesn't work that way. You right. are right. There is a, there is And there's a... so much more profit involved too. Because now you're not just pirating it and, and infringing a copyright by sticking it in. But they're making 50 bucks. That's not the dollar that iTunes is going to, is going to give them. It's 50 bucks. That's true. Yeah. Hey, it's, I don't know if it'll ever change. I think it's going to be harder for, um, businesses that use songs like that to advertise uh i guess i haven't uploaded anything to youtube recently um that has had any type of strike but something will eventually have to change but again gray area the wedding video after it's manufactured is for personal use for the bride and groom it is it's just commercial use for ourselves yeah but if we didn't, like if every highlight reel that we ever used to advertise ourselves didn't have uh, copywritten music, it still isn't right, but the bride and groom aren't selling it. If they want to, I suppose they can. That's on them. But it is for personal use at the end of the day. And that is, once again, part of the gray area. We're not mass producing these DVDs. No, absolutely not. And if we make a, a collection of maybe, I think the most I've ever sold is five. Bride and groom, bride's parents, groom's parents, grandparents, or something like that. But that's, I'm not making millions of Blu-rays and no. shipping them out to Walmart. And nobody's watching the wedding video to listen to the song. That's not what's happening. Well, the bride and groom appreciate that it's there. Yeah, but they're not that's saying, it. hey, I want to listen to that record. Let me let me throw on the wedding video. No, they're putting on their iPod and listening to the song that they stole. Or they bought. Or whatever. So there's already multiple licenses for the song out there. Hmm. Yeah. And there are small licensing places that do have professional music that can be licensed, but it's so hit or miss with what they have. So I, I really do like that scaling idea, but it's not in the foreseeable future. But it, it, to me, it makes sense. It is a profit thing. I if, think really would take the fall of like the mainstream music production industry. 
and I I really don't see it happening, but but yeah, the just the industry of music itself would have to take a huge turn when people started start essentially disrespecting the idea that music can be something that's bought and sold, and just treat it more as something that's just shared. Which it sucks for musicians that want to make money, but I don't. Maybe there's other ways of doing it. I don't know. Patreon model or something for musicians, but also musicians as it stands make most of the profits usually from like concerts and yeah. stuff, don't they? That's that's what the the new musician business model is. You make a ton. I mean, you make an album that's got a playlist, and you do that at the concert. What the best, the greatest hits of the the album. Don't want to quote Drake, but. Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show. It adds up. That's the first time I ever quoted Drake. Good quote. Peace. I mean, he's from around here. Close enough for uh, international viewers. That's true. Um, But I I think uh, the other thing is if anything were to happen to the music industry, they'd they'd probably end up trying to sue the smaller people. They have bigger fish to fry right now, so that's why I think any type of creative industry is mostly ignored that can't be detected by an algorithm. Um, It's weird, too, because you have rap artists and stuff that that have come up on mixing other people's music. Sampling. You know, sample a backtrack, whatever. and, And now they're stopping people from using their content. Mm-hmm. And from people from people sampling it, it's this weird irony about it. Keeps them on top, keeps them in, in power essentially. In, in the Unless you're R. Industry. Kelly, have you heard about that? Phil DeFranco said something about R. Kelly. Yeah, in video, but I don't remember what it was. Spot- I, I, I think it's Spotify has like dropped him. Dropped him. He's because there's other allegations. About minors or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's a whole other uh, can of worms. Uh, update on one of the things we talked about. Uh, Channel Awesome, the Nostalgia Critic. Mm-hmm. Apparently, still working for the website. Like he's the only. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't acknowledged wow, it. That takes some guts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he reviewed the third entry into the live-action Scooby-Doo series. Spoiler alert, there was a live... There was a third one. Uh, It was crap, and I had never seen it, so I watched the review. And, yeah, it's it's going on like nothing happened. It's very interesting. There has to be... There... it's It's an interesting mentality to just plow forward, like... Nothing's happening. Maybe it'll blow over. <laughs> there hasn't been any article written about it recently, like since the end of April. Hmm. So maybe it was the right strategy because it is slowly minus the comment section online. But even then, maybe it's becoming more neutral. Get more staff. and It could just blow them. over. Yeah. It is neat, but it's an interesting tactic. At least acknowledge the fact that you knew what was going on, because there's proof that you did. But if he doesn't, what's the worst that happens? He reviews Scooby Doo Four. Yeah, does that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> does it? Does it have the same like cast? As no, the, the first Scooby Doo, the first two Scooby Doo's. That was yeah. really hard to say. 
uh, had Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., uh, Matthew Lillard, and Velma. I don't remember your name. She plays Hawkeye's wife in Avengers. Right. And they were very, very, within re- within reason, close to the cartoons. All these critics... They were good actors, yeah. Yeah, all these they critics the say they're very cartoony. It's an experiment. You take live action that's based off a cartoon, you make it cartoony, you get, a, you get critiqued, but if people enjoy the source material, they should enjoy... Yeah. The movie. Same with the Flintstones movies. They were very, very close in tone and theme to they the were. original cartoons. Um, you want to take that? Yeah. Okay. Phone call break. Sorry. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hello? Hi. Hello? How are you? I'm all right. That's good. I'm fine. Yeah? I don't think it's But it might be worth getting checked. Right, well, but the tests are kicked back. So. There's an ultrasound tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do it. I can't figure out why my knee would be sore when I kneel on it. Pardon me? I can't figure out why my knee would be sore when I kneel on it. I am one of the furthest people away from being a doctor, so I don't know either. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I figured. But that's okay. Were you at all? I I I uh, took a quick little trip down to see Eric. Oh, that's where you're now? Yeah. Uh, all right, well, I'll let you go. I'm fine. Okay. I'll let you know what's up tomorrow. Okay. What time's the... What time's the... Don't know. They'll call me. Okay. All righty. Okay. Yep. Talk to you. Sounds good. Love you. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Those are pretty close. Oh yeah, reddish or bluish skin discoloring. Yep. When he described when it was described originally, it, it sounded exactly like a blood. Yeah. Thing. Especially in the leg, it's typically the most you know deep vein thrombosis is a common thing. It's kind of interesting the way that they can break down the clot itself. I mean, that's something you couldn't do in a setting removed from from having medical attention. Yeah. I almost want to talk about the logistics of blood clots on the podcast, but stay away from it. I do have an unrelated question for you. Back from the break. Right? Back from the break, Perfect. yeah. Um, yeah, so Nostalgia Critic, he's still going. God bless him. Hopefully yeah. some good content. Scooby-Doo, uh, no, the, the third and fourth movie, they, they were prequels. They were younger castmates, and they weren't very good. They were released on the CW, so they were TV movies. Yeah. Uh, not good at all. No. Um, I'm holding a Brock pen, and I realize yeah. that I've never asked you. Yes. 
Why did you go into what you you went to school for? I think we might have talked about this on the podcast. It was it was a weird thing because when I was in school, I would say in grade school, I didn't really care at all about school itself. I didn't take it seriously. And until the end, I would say maybe grade seven and eight, I kind of realized that I could be good at this a little bit and I, my grades are okay. In high school, I took, I decided I really like the sciences. I think I was probably in grade nine and I, and I realized, yeah, because we just had the general science class. It included chemistry, physics, and biology and maybe a couple of other things, but it was science class. And, and I got to make the decision when it came time for grade 11 because two years, grade nine and 10 were just science class. I decided I like biology better than the other ones. Although I still took chemistry and physics throughout all years, but I, I liked biology and I had to take a specific biology class. And I did really well in that. That was probably my highest grades came from that and religion, but that's a bit of a bird course. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really enjoyed biology. And then, you know, you get towards the end of universe or like the end of high school and you're thinking about university at that point. Cause they would come to the school, there'd be schools that would just Say, oh, come to our university. We have this to offer, this whatever. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I love biology and I thought, well, I could become a doctor and really please my parents or whatever else. And I started talking all about that, which probably was a bad idea because they got in their head that maybe I'd do that. And I didn't really want to do that after a while once I was in university. But, but nonetheless, I thought I can do something with this degree. People with science degrees get jobs, don't they? That would be great. So went to university for it. Within the first couple months of the first year in university, I just discovered that wasn't the case necessarily. <laughs> but but no, I went to university, and, and it wasn't the worst decision in the world either. I, I picked Brock University out of I, the three other options that I was, th- was thinking about was Western. I was thinking about, was it U of T or, U of T or York or something? Something in Toronto. And it was in Brock. And the whole reason I picked Brock University is I really liked the campus. I really liked that it was far away from my parents. And I really liked that just the general aesthetic of the Niagara region. Because London's a shithole and Toronto's the city. And I was kind of, I guess, afraid of the city at that point. I didn't really want to bother too much with that. So so I chose Brock out of, out of all of its options. And that's why I ended up there. And it was... It, if there's anything I could have gone to university to study just for the sake of loving learning, it's a great choice. Horrible way to spend money if you're looking for a long-term financial plan, but <laughs> I enjoyed my time and it That's was worth good. it. I got a, good, a lot of good life experiences out of it, I would say. If you're thinking about going to university because you are young enough to be thinking about those things, really think about it. Just please do. Buy any type of post-secondary. Yeah. It's a big financial commitment. Yeah. And, and college isn't as bad. If you know what career you want... Be damn sure, because you can pretty much get into that, that field very easily, and it's something that's super filled up already, like in you know ambulance or whatever, firemen, something like that. But if, if you're going to go to college to be something very specific, it's a great way to get that job. It's good financial investment, in my opinion. Stuff like you did, with more, which is more artsy, it's more open-ended. you got to be a good business person, which maybe maybe is a better idea for to take – Something like that and a business course or whatever. Yeah, I think... Get a business diploma. The the course that I was in was targeted towards people who weren't going to go into business for themselves. Yeah. Because... Because probably the artsy types, the people that want to make a film. Yeah. They, they don't have no idea what that entails on the business side of it. 
it's always had a film aspect to the course, but it was the TV and the radio that was actually monetized. Because TV and radio have contracts. So you end up having contacts with CBC, like the the BRTF program at Niagara College is very well respected with CBC, CTV, all that. <sighs> with film, it's, you know, production to production. It's not a set schedule. So it's it's harder to to monetize that you it, you can't guarantee a full-time job not that you can guarantee a full-time job in the tv or radio aspects but i would you, think radio is probably the most consistent part of it i say radio would be the hardest part really a ton of radio stations just gonna be a lot of people went to school and got laid off and it's not getting any better i figure even if you got a job working the shift from like 1 a.m till 4 in the morning mm-hmm still a job. Uh-huh. It, it 100% is still a I job. Well, it pays, but probably not. Well, exactly. You know, 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. You're going to DJ for three hours, making 14 bucks an hour, and that's yeah. your job. That's not enough hours. No. It would be more than $14 an hour. It is a specialized case, but... But, no. It's... Radio advertising, maybe that's, that's where the money's at. To get a good voice for it. Maybe, but no, it's just be very careful with what you're choosing, make the right choices. And for the love of God, do some research. Uh, Niagara College is always weird. They say that they were the number one in student satisfaction, except for one year that I was there. So for two out of three years that I was there, they were number one. And the one year where they weren't was the first year in a decade that they weren't. That's great. That's a, I mean, that that's a great marketing campaign. Student satisfaction is one thing. I would wonder what their graduate satisfaction is. That's a bigger one. Oh, right? for sure. And who are they? Are they pulling everybody, or are they just pulling people that are enthusiastic? They pulled. They to pulled everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We all had to take the poll. Okay. So again, pretty impressive that they're able to do that. Um, but just make sure you do your research. Make sure that you kind of know what you're getting into and truly know what your job prospects are, because this, like doing baby photos, I'd see teenagers who were going to school for photography, like that girl at the wedding. And the girl at the wedding, I gave my actual opinion. I got in trouble once for giving my opinion in a baby photo house. There was somebody who was thinking about going to school for photography, and I said, don't. And I got a phone call (laughs) the next day. Yeah, so I changed my approach. Not that I'm a mentor, but to a 17-year-old, if they're asking questions, I'll answer. So I'd stop saying don't, and I would ask what they wanted to do. And I'd run through the list of ways you could make money. So do you want to shoot weddings? No. Okay. That's fine. Uh, Family portraits? No. Okay. Product photography? No. Okay, so what type of photography do you like? Landscapes. Okay. Now, some people may disagree with this, but 
if we go to the Grand Canyon, I yes. say you and I leave to the Grand Canyon Perfect. and we spend a week there yeah. and we get some of the best photos that we've ever taken of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. It's been done. I get like absolutely the, nothing. There's almost nothing you could take a, in my opinion, nothing you could take a photo of that Ansel Adams already didn't do the, the best possible. Job yes. You could do at it pretty much. Now, the when you film. get a name for yourself, yeah, then maybe you can start selling landscapes. But that's branding. It's a lot of branding too. Like you get people that are your Patreons, and you would do. I, I it's I, I know a lot of people in the Instagram scene for like landscape stuff, and they they make money from it, but it's not them auctioning off their landscapes. It's more than that. I love like that that beach shooting. I like going out and doing it, but I've never once thought. I can make a living doing it. So. Even if you went to the most extravagant places in the world to take photos, landscape photos, the only way you're making money from that, I don't, I don't like selling the photos. I think it's building this reputation that you're this traveling guy and, and, and who you are and people are going to follow you because of who you are and you brand yourself. Because mm -hmm. yeah, you, there's lots of very successful travel photographers. There's not, they're not just landscapes there's a personality attached oh yeah they know what the guy looks like what his lifestyle is like or what she you know basically what her ambitions are and, and who she works with and all that it's okay and that's fine and you've thought about it in a i mean even just right now in a more uh believable way than a 17 year old would yeah. when they're thinking i'm gonna go to school i'm gonna learn how to do landscape photos and i'm just gonna be a landscape photographer Good luck. It's the false pretenses of when you're a kid, and I, I was a victim of this, I think, too, is just you think that there's a straight line to, to the place you want to get to, but it's not like that, really. Like being a doctor, I was like, oh, well, you just stay in school for a really long time. I can do that. Yeah, I, I could, but there's a million other reasons why that's not the most suitable thing I, I would do with my life. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, the money's great. That's what matters. But then you get older, you're like, well... No, there's lots of other things like my free time and, and lack of responsibility in that regard for like another human's life or something that I kind of value. I, I can do without being a responsible doctor. That's true. And and, I, and, you, and then you see doctors too and you're like, wait a minute, he isn't driving to work every day in a Porsche. He's driving this piece of shit Jetta from 10 years ago and, and he tells me that's all he can afford and I don't know. why. Where's the money going? I don't know. I, I've, I've met a lot of professors that pull in above $150,000 a year, and they do not live the kind of lifestyle that I would have thought someone pulling in that kind of money would make. You get tied down. You get expenses in your life that you have to take care of. You want to save for retirement. There's so many things that go into it. And and yeah, and then some of those professors are like, that guy's driving a crappier car than me. Why? I think there's a... There's a divide and it depends on the doctor, but there are some doctors that you, you plan, you plan for retirement, you plan for an early retirement or when you realize, cause for a doctor or for any type of job, you have to look at your income. At least I've always kind of thought of it as this way, maybe as like, how would I explain it? Um, no, scrap that. Stupid. Uh, the income itself 
is what the hell was the freaking point I was gonna make? Um, oh, so you you have businessmen, you have you have rich businessmen that have built their business and have made their fortune, and some businessmen are just really really cheap. Yeah, and they that. know they know they've worked hard for it. They know the value of a dollar, and they they save so that way they can do what they want. The doctor making a hundred thousand dollars a year, he has to look at that hundred thousand if it's not a private practice as his business income, so to speak. It's it's his income, and he drives the reliable Toyota that's Ooh. old because. It works if you're if you're not flashy, but then there are the flashy doctors as well. Yeah. But oh, of you, course, there definitely are some that can. But buy you know things that are more flashy. But I, I think doctors earn a good living in Canada. Mm-hmm. Or in places they don't, but in in North America in general, it's a looked up upon practice. And if you in doctor or if you. If you want to be a doctor, it's wonderful. Get into it. Do well. Make your money. Don't slaughter your wife. You'll do it well. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, save your money. Retire early. Buy a plane. That's a thing you don't see very often. Like rock stars buy planes. At least they used to. My dentist has a plane. Really? Like just a single engine plane? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a hobbyist thing too. A lot of people put their like all of their extra money into to well, it's a single engine it's a single it'll single engine water and land so when he goes to his cottage in long point he lands on the lake he leaves from the tilsonburg airport and flies to long point that's awesome yeah that's gonna be a hell of a life i want a helicopter yeah you've said that before <laughs> that that's my most absurd Possess, like the most absurd materialistic goal ever. Like if I if I have made my as much as I need to make in my life, if I can afford to purchase and maintain and use the helicopter, I don't need more money than that. I want a really really nice houseboat. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Hmm. Where would you tour around? Would you just go around the tropics? You think? Oh. Uh, uh, to get used to the houseboat, you know, I'd take a I'd take a tour around the Canadian ports first, and then maybe head down south. Who knows? You it would have to be how a, does citizenship work at that point? Well, you can sail, but you have to like immigrate. Leave international waters. Let's say pull up on the beaches of Cuba. Well, it it would be the same thing as technically going on a cruise ship. We leave the states, yeah. even as Canadians. Um, we have to have our passports. Not that we're. I maybe it's not exactly like cruise ships because we don't. We're not staying in or on this island, so we don't have to go through customs. No, you have to go through customs when you leave a cruise ship. Well, when you when you get to the states, you do, and then when you leave. There is a more there I don't is know anything about this. this is there is a heavier thing. screening process to get on the cruise to get on the ship, and probably because yeah. it's going. Because if you if you had somebody who's a convict, a convict, 
you could be just letting him escape to a tropical island and disappear. So yeah, there there definitely is more screening, but thankfully. But but so you pull up on the beaches of the Dominican Republic. What happens? How do you get off the? Well, you get off the boat at a pier. I'm guessing like a, a big docking area. You know what? That's a really good question. You haven't been on a cruise that did that, I guess. Well, they they pull up to a cruise port that are uh, have that have other cruise ships on it. Yeah. And. We have all been cleared by U.S. Customs. I guess they take that in consideration. But if you're just leaving Florida on a houseboat for some reason and you wind up in somewhere, sail down to Montego Bay, Jamaica, and you don't go to a pier, you just kind of go to a beach. Yeah. There's so I guess it, for all these countries, but what? It would depend on how policed it is. But if you do get caught, let's say the Coast Guard pulls you over on your boat. You're in. If you're in the water. Yeah. Theoretically, you should be fine. But they're not. It's not international waters in every case. I don't know the distances, but there's certain water space that's owned by a country. Well, then once you get to that point, if they come to you, you have to if they if they are requiring you to kind of go through customs. And that's but you have, but you have to report yourself because if you don't, that's kind of like illegally trying to enter. Like if I pull, if I have my passport on me, but I still I cross through the tree line to the United States, I'm still illegally immigrating to the country. Doesn't matter if I'm going to report it later. It looks like I'm illegally immigrating, doesn't yeah, it? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, this is a fascinating topic. I kind of want to leave this one on an open-ended idea like that because I think yeah, that's a good way to end it. Um, with just an interesting tidbit of information, uh, speaking of Jamaica, Jamaica takes all their um, air and water space very serious. Yeah. And uh, my idol, you know, little little Mr. Jimmy Buffett, uh, was on the plane or on his plane with Bono uh, island hopping. And they were like, let's go to Jamaica for chicken. And, you know, being Bono and Jimmy Buffett, they were like, sure. They got gunned down. What? They thought, yeah, Jimmy when? Buffett was gunned down in his plane. When? Uh, in the 90s. Oh. So they thought he was a drug plane. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they sail up to him, realize, fuck, we make a ton of money from him. He wrote a song about it. Mm-hmm. And now whenever he goes, every Jamaican knows the plane and knows the story. It's such a crazy thing. I'm sort of dismayed that they survived it. I guess they just blew out the engine or something. They glided uh, I, into the water. But it, it was very, very interesting. Jamaica Mistaka is the name of the song. Oh, boy. Okay. We had only come for chicken. We were not the ganja plane. So this has been a podcast. Yeah, this has been a all over the place podcast. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Jesse Dolster. And I'm Eric Gervais. Have a good week, everybody. Check out any links that are on the screen. Right any now. links uh, and last week's podcast, next week's podcast, every podcast. You probably skip episode one. It's fine. Uh, and a shout out to Tila Airdrie. Hello. Hi. Have a good night. Boop. Signing off.